I am Scott Gatoon. You are back at WGN Radio. We had a we had a one o'clock to three o'clock spot. <clears throat> I was super excited. Uh, we are still going to talk to Nick Akonis, the uh, founder owner of Alinea and uh, Talk and many other things. Uh, he's on the phone right now, so we're going to jump to him in a second. But uh, we we were going to do two pitches. We'll see if we can get it in. We got uh, J.B. Pritzker coming on afterward. This is like the. My, for me, it's like the political horse show. Every time I come downtown for a good show for you folks, uh, I get one Trump on one side and a JB on the other, which is all good. It's it's all good, but uh, you know, we try to distract you from all the crazy things going on and keep you up to speed on on tech and business and things. And and uh, I'll save the the bit that I want to talk about on uh, on some of the local startups and what they're doing to after this conversation because I know Nick is is on the line right now, so I want to want to bring him in. Nick, are you there? I am here, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? Good. Tired. <laughs> I, I believe it. Um, so first off, yeah. thank you for, for taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy right now, and, and um, this is a, All good. a very, difficult, All good. Very, very difficult time for a lot of the restaurants. And um, you in particular, I mean, there's a million reasons why you were the first person that came to mind for me, but uh, I follow you on Twitter. People should be following you at Nick Akonis if they want to stay uh, up to speed on things. It's more than just... Uh, and we, I think we did this when you were on my podcast. It, it's more than qualitative with you. It is always quantitative. And that is the part that is incredibly important for people to understand. Um, and so I, I would love to just get your take on you know, how things, I guess maybe what things were like just leading up to the coronavirus uh, kind of pandemic taking over not just this country but the world. Um, and then what you see going on now and as it goes in the future. And this is your show for the next however long it wants to be. <laughs> Oh, that's dangerous. Don't say that. I well, can be I a little verbose. Button, so you're going to have to control things. I was going to say, you're going to have to control things. Um, you know, starting um, in February, you know, we have, so first of all, Talk is a booking system uh, and platform for restaurants. Um, and we have restaurants in about 30 countries using it um, as an alternative to Open Table and some others. And um, so, of course, when it hit in Hong Kong, we saw what it did to reservations there, and we have a much smaller presence there, but we could see that, you know, restaurants that were very, very busy went to nothing overnight. Um, and then we could see, starting in late February, early March, um, on the West Coast, in Seattle in particular, the same thing starting to happen. So when you looked at the data, you could you could see, like, you know, slight decline, slight decline, slight decline as people change their behavior. And then, obviously, when everything is mandated to shut it, it just falls off a cliff. But I, I tweeted on March 8th that the hospitality industry is about 4% of GDP, maybe 5 yep. And uh, it was about to get decimated. Um, and I think that no one realizes that, you know, all the talk that you hear in the election cycle about automation and jobs and and and, you know, Andrew Yang talking about robots replacing everything. That's not true for restaurants. Restaurants are one of the industries that require and and want a human touch. You know, you want to uh, go to a restaurant and have great service and great that's hospitality. That's effectively why you pay a premium. I mean, that is why there a are... A thousand percent, yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's part of our culture. You know, if you... If you say Japan, you think of Japanese food. If you say Italy, you think of pasta and pizza. Like, this is part of who we are as humans, and and we all need to eat to live. And so um, watching that impending, you know, change happening, we at both my restaurant group, the Alinea group of restaurants, we, we drew up 
contingency plans for, well, what if our demand is down 30 or 40 percent for the next six months? What if, on the other hand, it's down 100 percent and we have to shut entirely? Um, what do we do? What's best for our employees? What's best for our customers? What's best for our community? And then on the talk side, in thinking of, of that, what sort of solutions could we offer to these restaurants to, to help them help all the same people, their communities, um, the, their employees, and, uh, and, and themselves as, as business owners? Um, you know, a lot of independent restaurants um, are just scraping by, even the ones that are kind of famous, you know. Um, and so I had a background in derivatives trading before all of this. And, you know, my whole thing is always like plan and hedge and, and, and figure out the best way forward. And so that's what we did for both talk by creating talk to go, um, for contactless delivery and pickup and, um, a platform that allows them to control their inventory in a way that the other like Grubhub, Caviar, you know, DoorDash, all those do not. And then for the, for the Alinea group, we're doing almost 2000 meals a day now as pickup. Um, and that's in 10-day period. We changed our, our entire business, the way we do everything. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that actually looks like? Because I, I think it's it's one thing for – so I live in Glen Ellen. <clears throat> there's a bunch of restaurants in Glen Ellen, Tota Madre and Fire and & Wine, giving them a little shout-out. Love going there, and they did curbside immediately. And that obviously is a big change, right? I mean, these are people doing something that they've never done before. It's entirely different, though, when it's like a fine dining, very like unique experience like your restaurants. So to get everyone to just turn around and change is an insane feat, in my opinion. Uh, so kudos to you guys for being able to even do that. Do you want to share a little bit about what the experience looks like? Because I, I still think yours is still different. It's not the same, like, you know, you're not, it's not like going there and just grabbing like a, a cheese sandwich. Like that's not, it wasn't a yeah, Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a fine line for us to, you know, Grant kept, um, Grant Ackett's the, the, my business partner and chef at Alinea and, and co-owner. He kept wanting to get as creative as possible. And I kept saying, Simple, simple, simple. We're not a restaurant. Uh, and we, we landed in the middle somewhere, of course, which is great. Um, and which so right now Wellington, we're doing... Which is really great. Yeah, we're doing, a, <laughs> we're doing a short rib beef Wellington. We're making 750 of them a day, uh, which is just astonishing, frankly, uh, with Robuchon mashed potatoes. Everything that we're doing at Next Royster Alinea Aviary is meant to be uh, where... You know, we do 95% of the cooking, but it's it's meant to be that when you get it home, you either combine and cook or, or take and bake it. You know, the beef yeah. Wellington just goes in the oven for 20 or 30 minutes. Um, and what's really, really fun is that on my Twitter feed, people are posting every day that they're getting out their, their wedding china for the first time. And, and, uh, and that fine, you know, that bottle of wine that they got from their uncle that they've been saving for 10 years for a special occasion. And they're like, hell, we're, we're stuck at home. Let's. Let's let's do it, you know. Um, and I've so, seen people on on Instagram, friends of mine who are getting all dressed up. They're wearing like the suit, the tie, the whole nine yards. And I'm I'm guessing they went uh, to Alinea because the food looks yeah, amazing. Right. And it's it's like I mean to give context to this, you know, I'm on the wait list. Everyone's on the wait list. The food is like it's off the shelves. You were slightly humble in saying that you just provided it. Like it's a, it's been a a big hit. Obviously, not the same as having the restaurant open. Sure, um, sure, sure, but it's, sure. It's, and I also think well, you no. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say what it allows us to do, um, and we put protocols in place before the government mandates to, to close the restaurants. 
we we have temperature checks of every single person coming in the in the door all like in a row all at once mandatory hourly hand washing everyone's wearing kitchen gloves we're keeping um you know social distancing within the kitchen and then the, the car as you pull up to the restaurant we have two-way text messaging built in to talk and so we just figure out who's who, who's in what car you can just pop the trunk we'll put it right in the trunk for you so um you know it's it's uh the critical piece of misinformation, I think, that's going on with, with some, some folks, and even some chefs and restaurant owners, is that they're saying that it's unsafe to, to, to do this. Um, and the answer is, it's, it's, it, it may be, right? Uh, you know, it's like nobody really knows. But it certainly isn't more unsafe than, uh, than a grocery store. And what is really unsafe and fragile is if we have 82 grocery stores in the Chicago metropolitan area that serve 8 million people um, in terms of the big you know, chain grocery stores, um, you will have people congregating there. It's busy there. There's fewer nodes of food distribution. Um, the safety and cleanliness standards at, at restaurants that are you know, sort of above QSR in, in Chicagoland area is really, really high. Like, people take that stuff seriously on a, on a normal day. And now it's just off the charts high. So, um, you know, it's, it's, is there a restaurant that, that a worker may get infected? Absolutely. It would be weird if there wasn't, right? But by having hundreds or even thousands of restaurants providing the service, um, it actually lessens the likelihood of any, any one uh, outbreak or contagion being being huge, you know. So it's like a concept called anti-fragile that Talib always says. You're creating an anti-fragile system, you know, and that's that's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, do you, are, we have a break at one thirty? Do you have time to wait for a commercial and come back? Yeah, sure. All right, because I've got I have two things I want to go over with you. Um, and one of them is sort of like the the here and now. And and you mentioned the restaurant uh, versus the the waiting in lines at grocery stores. I was at a Mariano's yesterday like a fool. Um, <clears throat> no one is adhering to the six feet thing, by the way. That's like really giving me like it drives me insane as people are just like standing right next to you, packed in. To your point. Um, we upped our, our meal plans on Tavala, another Chicago local uh, food service delivery company, to six meals a week uh, to me and my wife, so we try to avoid going out. But when it looks to the restaurants like yourselves and, and even many of those that are maybe um, not as, we'll call it premium, how, how, how long can they keep this going? Like How, how does the, the economics work for this? Because I, I feel like it's, if this just goes like a month or two, it can. There's going to be some casualties, but it, it can work. If it gets much longer than that, it becomes sort of a survival thing. And can the businesses can they keep can the restaurants keep doing it this curbside style, or is that very well? I think a lot. I think a lot of unfortunately, I think a lot of them haven't even started. Um, you know, I'm I probably in a, a bubble because I I, I, we, I live in a town where like you know there's there's a bunch of those restaurants and they pretty much after your your tweets went out I don't know if they were reading it or not but uh, it immediately like a light switch flipped and all of main street became curbside which was great but yeah and I think it's I think that what happened is that you know everybody reacts differently to an emergency and some people just immediately shut and just went okay well, I guess we're not going to reopen until they say we can or they think it's going to be April 7th which it is very unlikely to be um and so um, I think what's happening now is that, you know, we saw an influx of nearly a thousand inquiries into, um, into talk to go. Um, and we're, 
we've got about 300 restaurants that are, are using it and we're adding like 30 or 50 a day, but we're not the bottleneck. The bottleneck is them getting their kitchens reopened yeah. and, and figuring out these new systems. Um, so the longer this lasts, the more critical it is for restaurants to not only take advantage of the government passed legislation, which will help bring employees back and guarantee their income. Um, and I'm part of the independent restaurant um, coalition that formed a couple of weeks ago, the IRC. Um, and so that's been really important and impactful. Uh, at the same time, restaurants also need to help themselves and it also feeds their communities in really great ways. Um, New York City is particularly difficult to do this because people tend not to have cars. Yeah. People have to use public transportation to get to work. So, um, you know, New York City is a unique um, problem right now. But in, in, you know, Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, Cleveland, Miami, this works great. And, um, you know, I, I, I believe that we're going to be in this for, for a while. And even if we do are allowed to reopen on, you know, May 15th, June 15th, whatever it is. People are still going to be slow to come back. People are going to be slow to come back, and it may well be that the government also mandates occupancy at 50% or something like that. And restaurants can't can't exist uh, at 50% occupancy um, on a Friday, Saturday night for very long at all. Um, They're just not built for that. Um, And so... I think that you're going to see, uh, you know, this is just a guess, of course, but I think you're going to see that that even really nice restaurants end up doing a mix of the in, you know, dine-in and um, pickup. Um, and I think you'll see that instead of delivery because the delivery services are so expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, they charge 15 to 30% of gross. So um, those aren't a sustainable option either, especially not for something like, you know, uh, that's a little higher end than uh, than QSR. Yeah, so we, we have to take a, a commercial break here. I want to come back. to You You teed this up perfectly. I want to come back and talk about the future when we come back with things, like when life comes back to normal or whatever normal is when we come back. Um, what does that look like for restaurants, at least in your mind? And um, I would love all the audience out there who's listening to call and text in after Nick is done. Uh, we're going to come back and have a commercial break. The number to get a hold of us, 312-981-7200. We will be back after this break with Nick Akonis, the founder, owner of Alinea Group and Talk. Okay, we are back with Nick Akonis. Uh, Nick, are you still there? Yeah. Yep. Um, so the question I was kind of teeing up was the future of, and this is the future of anything. You're not, you know, as you mentioned before, you were a trader, a restauranteer, also run a tech company. Uh, so you're kind of across the gamut here. I have this feeling that a lot of things are going to change, some for the better. I think, honestly, despite this is not how I wanted this to happen, of course, but I do see a lot of people spending time with their families again and enjoying being together and ordering food in-house and doing just all kinds of stuff. And it's not just about food. It's just being able to take the time because, well, we have nothing but time right now. Um, What do you see as the impact that this sort of behavioral change, which only happens after, I mean, really things like this, wartime, terrorist attack, things like, like just crazy things are the only times you see people monumentally shift their behavior. Do you see a way where this changes how people experience restaurants and, and that comes with some great opportunities as well, but also obviously drawbacks. What, what do you see the future looking like? You know, I, I think it re it's, it really, really depends on the way that we fight our way out of this. 
um, if there is an actual treatment for this disease, um, whether that's in a month or six months from now, I think people have really short memories. Like if you get coronavirus, if you get COVID-19, and you can take the equivalent of penicillin for four days and you're fine, and the odds of you dying from it go from, you know, 1% to like 0.01%, I think everyone's going to fall back into their old habits so fast your head's going to spin. Um, because people will be like, phew, wow, that was weird. Okay, let's just get back to work. Um, that would be the best possible outcome, right? I mean, you know, I, I, and and I would like to think that, that we set ourselves up as a country better for when this happens next time. But who knows? Like, maybe that's well, not if, even... If you, heard the, uh, if you heard the speech that, it, that happened before my call, we're, we're all good. Don't worry about it. We're set. I did not, I did not hear it. Um, Thank, that, thank goodness you didn't, because it'd yet. be a different yeah. show. This would be a different yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not um, likely to be the case very soon, um, but certainly we hope it is. Obviously, if there's widespread, um, super-fast testing so that you know if you've had it and you are immune to it, I think that is a great outcome, and it looks like Abbott's making good progress into that and, yep. and whatnot. So, But, you know, it looks to me like in the next three or four months, for the most part, we are going to have to uh, have to keep the current status quo of, of staying staying away from each other as much as possible. Um, and then after that, it's it's really just a matter of like, do, does this pulse back around from city to city until we get um, both you know uh, a vaccine and herd immunity, which you know you're looking at whatever 12, 18 months, you know, optimistically, I guess. So. In that case, which is the more likely outcome, I think, I, I think you get to some sort of hybrid of, of you know, service that's spaced out um, within restaurants and bars. And, I mean, think about, you know, everyone's talking about the restaurant industry because people love to eat. But think about, like, every gym. Like, I, I have, uh, oh, yeah. I go to the gym a, a couple times a week. Like, those are down to zero. Every one of those trainers is down to zero. Every Everybody in the service industry, it, it, it basically... Um, and then you think about how many services you use from your hair cutters to, oh my God. to, you know, it's, it's everything. So, um, you I, know, I, I think you bring economically, point, it's just a massive, massive, massive problem. I think you bring up, so like, there's a couple pieces to this, like, and this is a terrible analogy given that a lot of the, the struggles going on in Italy, but you're very well traveled and I know you've eaten pretty much everyone in the world, I imagine. Um, but when I went to Italy, uh, for my honeymoon, I remember, one of the things that kind of stood out, and this is, uh, you know, all over, this is not in Rome, this is like in the, you know, towns. <clears throat> and I thought it was interesting that a lot of the different days, the restaurants weren't open all day long. They weren't open every single day. They served sort of differently, at least in the areas that I was at, and like uh, Positino, uh, Pos- I don't know, whatever. I'm, Positano. Yes, yeah, Positano. Positano. Yeah. Um, that they opened up basically kind of during certain periods, and then the people migrated their way in that time, and then they wouldn't come on a Thursday. They would, this is a different thing. We do a different thing at home. And, you know, there was, it, it was unique enough that it sort of made me think like now in these times, and you mentioned this with, uh, with the other service providers, uh, like gyms and things. The adaption of or adoption of using at home gym stuff, using like my trainers that I've worked with in the past are still feeding me workouts. They're on digital platforms now. They're sending me all kinds of stuff. They're on YouTube. Uh, there's sort of an adoption and change that has already happened where it's yeah. like, you know, to be honest, yeah, I kind of sure. like working at, working at home. Do you see a place where the restaurant industry, as well as, you know, really all these service industries, sort of take on a little like, 
you know, again, to your point, if it's like one and done in a couple months, people will snap back. I don't see anything happening. Even even if it's pulsing on and off for the next year and change, I don't think people are going to like change their whole world. But I do think as we get to like, if it's like six months or more, or we sort of identify a, a different, you know, we like being at home with our family more. I don't know, whatever it is. Do you see a place where restaurants sort of change the way that they serve people or rather people uh, expect a different thing? They're more in, they're more invested in, in getting pickup from you? Like just, are these opportunities? Are they problems? I don't know. Look, we, we, when we started Talk um, in 2014, I was preaching to restaurants that you needed to sell experiences. So rather than just make a reservation, you actually can, um, well, you can certainly do that. About 80% of everything on talk is just an ordinary reservation. But 20% or 25% are experiences that, that wineries and pop-ups and, and restaurants provide. You know, everyone has that favorite table, whether that's at the kitchen table at Alinea, which is super fancy, or if it's your favorite pizza place and there's that those four seats right in front of the uh, pizza oven, you know, that you can watch the dance that the, the cooks are doing with the pizza. Um, you can sell that as, a, as an experience. And I think what you're going to see is that if restaurants are forced to lower capacity um, and move, spread tables out and, and give people sort of like their own space, um, I think you're going to see more and more places create unique experiences that they're selling, not just like, you know, go and grab a burger, you know. Um, certainly that'll still exist, but that'd be more carryout. But the restaurants that are sit-down restaurants are going to have to adapt to a different usage of their physical space. And, um, you know, the problem with that is that if you serve fewer people, the it's a less viable business no matter what, yeah. or it's inflationary from the standpoint that you have to charge more money. Um, for Alinea, we have 74 seats but we have 90 employees just for Alinea. so like those 90 employees like if, if i can't serve we serve 128 people pretty much every day of the year um in normal times um if i can't serve 128 people and i'm only serving 60 people um 45 of those employees are not needed yep. and that's not good for the economy that's not good for for our business because our fixed costs haven't gone down you know the rent is still the same the utilities are the same. So it's a very, very, very tricky problem um, to solve without raising prices. And, of course, if you raise prices, your demand goes down. So I don't think it, people it, understand how thin the margins are for us. I mean, we, we, you hear people talk about it now, and but I, I really don't think people understood quite how difficult it is for restaurants to make a go of things under the best of circumstances. Yeah, it, it's it's... You know, if you drive anywhere in any city, how many restaurants are there? They're everywhere, right? Because we all need to eat. That also means that the price competition is pretty much perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, true. like if you're an economist and you want to study price competition, um, you know, some restaurant owners tell me, like, I'll say, like, you know, one of the things you can do in talk is you can very easily um, do dynamic and variable pricing. And restaurant owners don't think it matters because they just go like, well, I asked my friend Bob and he said it wouldn't matter if I, if I charge another dollar for, you know, this pasta plate or whatever. But Bob doesn't it's, know it's everything. Well, it's not that. It's that you have to look at the behavior of 5,000 Bobs. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. so it's very, very easy to see, um, you know, some basic economic principles at work. If you if you look at the, the you know, lots of, of these data points and a lot of restaurant and small business owners 
kind of wing that. Like they, they, they look. Most people got into the restaurant business because they, they're people pleasers. They want to please other people. They want to nourish people. That's why it's such a great experience. They do not love spreadsheets very much, <laughs> for the most part. Um, so you are a unique so, one in that in that category, I believe, from what I know. Yeah, I mean, I you know, and and I have to tell you that, like personally, I know that I I took some heat for it because for years I've been saying, hey, look, you know, Open Table is charging between a dollar fifty and seven fifty per diner when you book on Open Table, and I was like, that's not sustainable for a restaurant. If if you're paying three dollars per diner, that's and you're a $30 checkout, that's 10% of your revenue going out the door just because someone clicked a button on their app. And honestly, no one wanted to hear it for years because it's, you know, it's, it's complicated. It sounds like a small number, like, and, um, it really adds up, you know, and those businesses, right? I mean, that, I think that's the big part is that the 10% giveaway to a salesperson or an affiliate is typical in every business except for this one. So that like that right. margin's baked in almost everything. This one is like you know if you make ten if you if you have a ten percent profit margin on your restaurant you are among the elite. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we aim for for better than that, but we do so, so through other efficiencies. Yep. Um, so it'll be very interesting. To, you know, interesting is a terrible word. That's not the right word. Um, it'll it'll be sad, frankly, to watch this this um, play out because even with the the loan program that um, that just got legislated, um, it, it's not. It remains to be seen. You know, the the SBA is going to put out guidelines for for the program this coming week. There's a lot of complexity to that. Like I am I am privy to conversations with people who are the best in the hospitality industry. And even among the leaders of the entire industry in the country, there is confusion as to what's a liability, what constitutes debt, how much is forgiven. Um, it's it's not clear at this point. And then I think of all the small independents out there trying to navigate this quickly over the next you know six weeks or whatever to bring their employees back to get the employees paid. And, you know, you, you hope that there become guidelines for best practices very, very soon, because if not, not only will they go out of business, but they may have, they may have debt on top of that. No question. So really tricky. Well, Nick, thank you so much uh, for taking all this time and and sharing the stories with us. I'd love to make sure you, uh, you give away a little bit of uh, where do people go to get the, get the food, get on the list, all that stuff, share everything you possibly can to drive some traffic. We would love to have people support um, their the Chicago community and, and beyond at uh, exploretalk.com slash to go, T-O-G-O. Um, those are all the restaurants. Um, we're adding about 30 to 50 per day. Um, and if you're a restaurant owner, uh, small business owner even, um, you can go to exploretalk.com slash join slash to go and see and get information on how you can uh, utilize the platform. And uh, we are charging very, very little, um, 3%, um, in order to uh, keep our lights on and pay Google their cloud fees and all those sorts of things. But um, compared to the, the delivery guys who are at 20%, um, you know, it's, it's, it's economical for you, and it's great for the consumers and safe um, for them as well. 
Awesome. Well, best of luck uh, to you. And I tell everyone who's listening to this also, make sure that if you do eat with these restaurants, make sure you tip more than you normally do. Uh, everybody needs everyone's support right now. And, and I really appreciate all the time and information, Nick, and hopefully have to have hey, you thanks. back on when uh, things are a little better. Yeah, well, when things are on the rebound, we will have a happier conversation, I hope. Yes, sir. All right. Well, have a good one. Thank you very much. Thanks, and, uh, and good luck. You're welcome. Yep. Thank you. All right, folks, that was Nick Akonis, uh, Talk, Alinea Group, many other great restaurants. Alinea, I think, was, what, number two? And he's going to be like, hey, I'll call it. it was number one. Uh, it was at least in the top five. I think it was in the top two in, in some of the most recent polls that I've seen. Uh, we will be back after this uh, little break here, and we'll, we'll, we'll be back. Welcome back to the WGN Radio Show here. I'm Scott Katoon. Um, that was awesome listening to Nick. He's been on my podcast. If you haven't uh, listened to the podcast, you really should be. Uh, it's a Technori podcast on Spotify or wherever you do podcasts. Nick was on... I don't know, one, two, three, almost three years ago, I think. He was just getting talk. I mean, he had already launched talk, but he was like get, really getting it going. Um, th- the attitude that he has, I think, is really interesting, not just because of him being a smart guy and, and what the restaurant industry is going under and him being sort of a leader in that space. It's sort of emblematic of what I'm seeing amongst a lot of the founders in Chicago. Um, I've talked to, I don't know, six or seven CEOs in the last week or so, just checking in to see you know, how things are going. And there's been a ton of people sort of like asking, Hey, are you you know, are you, are you needing to lay off some people? Can I pick up some of the people? Um, there's been numerous, um, messages that I've seen of me just connecting people back and forth to say like, Hey, we can pick up and help out a little bit. Um, all I think is for the most part, this city, will be fine because of the number of people who are willing to step up and try to actually help one another. And I think that, you know, we didn't really get into this with Nick, but I, I probably should have, if we had more time. Um, I just think that there are going to be opportunities that are going to come out of this and it's not just restaurants. I don't want to stick to just restaurants. It's everything I mentioned to him. What happened in the, um, and he mentioned it actually in the, in the workout kind of service industry world is, you know, I mean, every club, every club I know is closed, right? I mean, every, every, every person who used to cut hair is not, but we got to get our haircut at some point. And at some point we have, you know, a lot of things we have to get done. And I, I just think that in, in the history of the world, especially if you're going to just talk about shorter term with tech in the history of the tech world, the greatest transformations, the greatest innovations, the most valuable companies have existed that basically after something goes crazy, like when things go, go very, very bad. That's when like almost every amazing thing is built. And it's hard to ignore that in this instance that like we were throwing dirt on Grubhub like not long ago. And now Grubhub is in a great position again. It, it, I mean, the stocks, I, we're not even getting into the market stuff, but the stocks, everything is, is crazy. And I just think that we're looking at this opportunity to really like imagine what does the world look like after we come back to this. Nick mentioned it. Like if it's only a couple months, we're all going to snap back and nothing will change. But I do think that if this continues for any extended period of time, I mean, I, I don't know about you call in, you can call in. Let's have this conversation. If you want to, um, it is three, one, two, nine, eight, one, seven, two, zero, zero. And talk about some of the changes you're making in your own lives. I honestly think I enjoy being home more than I ever knew I did. I enjoy spending time with my my baby. I enjoy spending time with my wife, my little dog, Boo-Ray. I enjoy working out at home. I didn't think I would ever do that. 
I enjoy not being in this like crazy hustle bustle traffic thing. I want to make I want to take advantage of some of these things and and with that comes like spending time with your your family having dinner. That has been all but lost other than going out to dinner at restaurants. What if you could you know, I this is just me like spitballing here but like I'm not a great chef as you could probably imagine. If you listen to my show, you you will know this. Um, so we use Tavala, we use Home Chef. You should check out Home Chef right now. Actually, I have a code for it. Uh, Technory 100 will save you $100 on Home Chef. That will get you to avoid going to the grocery store. I highly recommend it as I was there just the other day, and people are not adhering to the six-foot rule. Very annoying. Um, but anyway, I think that a lot of times we wanted to cook a really good meal, then you realize you have to clean it, you have to buy it, you have to prep it, you have to know how to make it, Anytime I've ever tried my hand at cooking something, you know, actually complicated, and by complicated, I just want to let you understand, the, the bar to entry for me is, is very low. Like, you call them SpaghettiOs, I call them Pascettios, uh, mac and cheese, that's like my level of prep cook. Anything over that is, is problematic. What if we were able to get Alinea to get beef wellington and mashed potatoes and many other meals, like right now in Glen Ellen, Fire and Wine does all these appetizers, Totemadre is doing all these taco specials. What if I could pick up, ready for prep, all these incredible meals for home and sit at the house with my, with my, you know, with my family and have it? I, I think it'd be kind of cool. And it's something that like prior to this is not even feasible. That's like, we would just go out. And I know that as Nick said, like with the margins, like you're not going to want to... Restaurants are not going to want to have most of their business take place out of doors because there's no alcohol. There's, you know, although I will mention, I have mentioned this on my Instagram. If you're not following, by the way, uh, at Katoon on Instagram, it's probably worth it. Uh, I think so, not just because it's mine. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Um, Toto Madre is a, a Mexican restaurant in Glen Ellen that, that we used to go to all the time. We still would go to it, but obviously you can't go anywhere right now. Um, they are delivering, I might pick it up today on the way home, to be honest, sangria at the curb. Like, so they're still actually serving up <clears throat> alcohol. And you cannot drink in your car, by the way. That's, that's a no-go. Um, but restaurants in general are making a lot of their money. They're always making their money on alcohol. So you will lose that, which means they will not want that to be a predominant thing. But I do think that we're going to see changes. I think we're going to see people who are like more open to, to hanging out with their family. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying, I think it's, it's interesting stuff. Um, and, uh, I think the world that we're going to come back to is going to be a little different and I think, not necessarily for the worse. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's been for me personally, I'm still coming to work. I'm one of the, yeah. one of the You're lucky one of people. The yeah. I'm one of the lucky people that, that get to get out of the house from time to time. Cause I know there's a lot of people that are just kind of not going crazy, but they're getting stir crazy. They want to go for a walk or they want to have, you know go to the store but they also don't want to get sick and they want to try to social distance yeah but what i've noticed for me and my family um we've been playing a lot more games and we're not a huge board game family we fight all the time when it comes to board games we go like neck and neck you know we're ready to kill each other when the game starts taking a turn but we've been playing good more family, board games. Good christian family values yeah, yeah i mean it gets we get intense because you know we're all competitive but we've been playing more board games and I think since we're all kind of stuck together, except for myself, I get to leave. I yeah. get lucky from time to time. But we all kind of are just stuck together. So we've been playing, not that we're mean to each other, but we're better at playing board games together. You know, we're watching more movies together. So it is 
in some way a nice way to just bond with your family better like you know what that was that was my childhood really <laughs> yeah I, we didn't have phones <laughs> right so you had yeah so you were forced to bond with your we, family we would sit there at the table right eat. my dad would come home we'd talk play games play you know video games were kind of a thing coming into the world but not really you know atari whatever we spent time together and now i feel like we've gotten to this point where no one does that no i and now I, they have to i totally agree like uh we've been forced to put the phones away during dinner because that's all we do now when we're not with each other we're on our phones we're on our computers we're watching netflix so when we are with each other it's like no let's value the time that we have contact with other human beings when we're all in the same room watching a movie playing a game you know eating dinner do you think that will stay i i feel like there's an a, a bit of that that will stay for a while i think that we got a little reset which is a good thing i i hope that it sticks because i feel like we've we've turned into such a social media consumed yes. like type of it's all we do. Yeah, I mean, it's all we do. I feel most of us know our family through Facebook or through Instagram. Which we don't really know our family. I will say families. that's okay. I understand that part, but it, yeah, <laughs> like, I guess. But it's I, also like, I'm like, perfectly okay <laughs> knowing my family through <laughs> Facebook. That's enough. But it's also like, at the same time, you really don't know these people. Like, you call yeah. them family, but you don't know them that well. Like, I come to work a lot, so when I'm at work, I live with my brother, my mom, and my dad. But when I'm at work, I'm not at home as much, yeah. so I'll see what my brother's doing when he's on Facebook. And I live in the same house as him. So yeah. whereas now is he's home, my parents are home, and I'm home in the evenings, uh, we all just, I actually get to know and actually hear about, you know, oh, you're doing this, or you're working on this project, or whatever it may be. Even though I live in the same house, a lot of the things that I find out are through Facebook, because I'm out and about, I'm on social media, I'm doing other things, just as they are. So it's kind of nice to have this reset, even though I wish this pandemic wouldn't. Yeah, I would prefer be not here. to have been a pandemic. Right. But I, I'm telling you, I really think that there are some. This was like, if you're a higher power person, this is this is the like you're in timeout. Society exactly. got put in timeout, and now we got to come out of this and be like a little bit more. Uh, I don't, maybe it's respect. I don't. I feel like we've been like not intentional, but like everyone's fighting about politics. Like right. they're disrespectful. Like being able to just get to know one another. Exactly. Again. There Not we go. terrible. All right. Well, I guess with that little beep, we're going to have to go check out the news and we'll come back with the startup showcase portion of the show. You're listening to Scott Katoon. This is WGN Radio AM 720. Welcome back to the startup showcase portion of the show. I'm Scott Katoon. You're listening to, well, you already know, WGN Radio. Okay. Uh, so I figured we might as well keep things in the restaurateur uh, world since we had Nick Akonis to kick off the show. Uh, so we are going to have Carol Lee. She is the founder of Provenance, if I'm pronouncing that correct. Carol, are you there? Hi, nice to, nice to meet you, Scott. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Um, so I want to have you start with just a pitch of what the business is, and then we're going to get into some questions, talk about the, the business opportunity, the investment opportunity. Um, and then I think it's probably an interesting conversation, given the times that we're in right now, um, to see how this is, whether good or bad for your business. So uh, why don't you give us a pitch on what provenance is? Okay, great. Yeah, Provenance Meals is an organic prepared meal delivery service designed to help busy people look and feel their best through the power of food as medicine. So eating for optimal health is time-consuming and confusing with all the conflicting advice out there. And we're here to make it straightforward and easy with ready-to-eat meals delivered to your door. Clients have their choice of breakfast, lunch, dinners, and snacks from our weekly seasonal menu. All our meals are anti-inflammatory. So chronic inflammation is at the root of many diseases like Alzheimer's, heart disease, and 
cancer. Our meals don't have those ingredients that trigger inflammation, such as gluten, dairy, refined sugars, pesticides, unhealthy oils, and, of course, anything artificial. Instead, they're packed with the things that your body needs, like healthy fats, lots of vegetables, grass-fed meats, and wild seafood. Then everything's packed in compostable and recyclable containers and delivered fresh to you, and it couldn't be easier to be healthy, and it couldn't be more convenient. Uh, And you are based in New York, correct? Yeah, we're based in New York, and we recently acquired a business in L.A., so we're now operating in both New York City and Los Angeles. Very cool. Uh, So tell me sort of your background. What what got you into this? And, And I like the... You know, I would say normally there's a million different types of service providers. We talked about a couple of them early on the show, Tavala locally here, uh, Home Chef and, and others. Um, but the ones that I've seen to do very well uh, are the ones that have a very unique niche that kind of makes, uh, they're sort of self-contained, if you will. Like you haven't had to raise money up until this point uh, because you probably have a pre-baked audience of people who are very passionate about all the things that you represent. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to decide to build this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm all about the food. I, you know, it just has to taste good. And that's, to me, such joy and pleasure is to eat well. But food is medicine. So it's so crucial when you're, what you're eating three times a day, seven days a week for your overall health and wellness. And I have a real personal reason behind this. You know, my mom died at the age of 66 from brain cancer. She was a Korean woman who emigrated to the U.S. in 1969, and that move radically changed her lifestyle. Coming from a big city to the suburbs, she was driving a lot. She was eating Western foods. And this isn't genetics that made her sick. It was you know, her sisters who stayed in Seoul, Korea, continued and are continuing to live long and healthy lives. And in fact, South Korean women have the longest life expectancy in the world. Um, but the year after she died, my father-in-law died from heart disease, also in his 60s. And then the next year I had a baby, and that really hammered home the fact that, like, what you eat is important. It can be life and death. It can affect your whole quality of life. And it's literally the foundation that builds healthy cells, whether it's in a baby or a full-grown adult. So it became a real personal mission to me to kind of end lifestyle disease. Most disease that we're dealing with in America, it truly comes from how we live our lives and we're living our way into sickness and we can live our way out just by eating well, but we live in an environment that makes it really difficult. And like you mentioned, our customers, they already, they've kind of already gotten there. They've gotten to the point where they know they want to eat well. They know it makes a huge impact on their life and they know it makes them look and feel good. And that's why they keep coming back. And that's why Providence has been able to grow so much over the last um, seven years now since they started it. So I want to, there's a couple things here, and this is going to wind around in a, in a way here. First off, I want everyone to know you can register to invest in this company on Republic, republic.co slash Providence. Um, and I will be tweeting it out anyway. So if you follow me or Technori at, uh, at Katoon or at Technori on Twitter uh, or Facebook or wherever you scroll on your feeds, uh, this will be going out uh, reposted in probably, I don't know, half an hour or so. Anyway, <clears throat> two things to what you said. One, I could not agree more with the lifestyle comment. I am guilty of it more than anyone I know. Um, I am, it's self-fulfilling. It is a, um, I don't know, quicksand is what I call it. It's one of those things where like you feel like things are going well. You're like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you would have this one snack. You know, I did, I did good yesterday. And then those snacks, like, oh, I'm still hungry. You know, I had cocktails last night in the morning, a little breakfast. And it just like starts turning <laughs> And then you missed a workout because yeah. you ate poorly. And then it's like, well, what the hell? I didn't feel good today. I might as well have a couple of cocktails. And then it's tomorrow. And then and like a week goes by 
And I really do believe that having, it's not just about having good food options, and by good I mean both healthy but also like tasty. It is about a consistent regimen and being on it and and doing everything you can in your life to try to build towards it and stopping yourself when you see you're veering off. Like, yeah, we all want to have fun, but I don't think it should be a choice. I think being having fun can also be involved in in like for I'm I'm not the right person to say this, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, like Tavala, who I'm a, I'm a big fan of, and I use it. I use it both to make sure that I have good quality food ish at home, but also that like I know I can mark off three meals a week that I know are not going to be uh, ridiculous, and it helps me yeah. build my way into a lifestyle. It makes sure that that next day I'm going to be able to work out, like you know things like that. Your service is that but even better because the food is is actually prepared with as you call it like medicine it's prepared with your health in mind and i i just want to say this for people listening you have users that include many and not just because you're in new york but in la but many many celebrities the bridget moynihan's of the world these people who we view as perfect and in their appearance maybe not in their actions but in their appearance and i think a part of that is that they make a conscious choice to have a lifestyle that for the most part is, you know, in the debate about what is healthy, you know, is not for the show as much as the concept of I want to live a healthy fit lifestyle because it makes me look better and I get more movies or whatever the case may be. That is a choice that we make. And it's a choice that we, as the people on the other side of the screen watching them, we make the opposite. We, we pound M&Ms and, and popcorn watching these yeah. people who look perfect. And I, and I, I just think it's an, you're one of the first ones we've had on in this food services space that has a product that I think um, is attracted to celebrities. And I can say that and then people think, okay, I get it. Uh, am I crazy or where do you see this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes, we it's it's really not that complicated. I mean, sure, there's a lot of crazy diet trends out there, and we get really attracted to like keto or paleo or whatever vegan. But um, we know how to eat healthy. But I call it, I call it the GI Joe fallacy. You know, GI Joe used to say at the end of a show, "Knowing is half the battle." But I think it's a fallacy because it doesn't. It's not enough. Knowing is not actually half. Like we all know already, but we have to change our habits. And so, yeah, M and M's are in our environment at the checkout line. Like you know, everywhere we turn, there's junk food being pushed at us. And so, we need a real revolution in like what is allowed to be pushed at people and kids in terms of food. But I think as individuals, you know, we we there's the government and the changes that probably could we could use our help their help there. But um, what you can do as an individual is stock your fridge with the good stuff so that when you do come home starving from work, you have good options in there. And what I think happens is it takes some time, but once you start eating well and you start looking good and feeling good, and again, that's why celebrities are doing it is because they're being paid to look beautiful and, you know, look depict health, essentially, because I think that beauty really does come from um, inner health. It's an inner glow that you have. And when you feel that way and you look that way, it's addictive. You want that. Then the next time you have the junk, junky meal, it doesn't feel as good. You know, you realize like, oh, this actually is not how I want to feel. And over time, that's how you change your lifestyle and change your habits. But you have to start somewhere. And right now, with, you know, health being as important as ever, um, it's it's too, it's very hard <laughs> amongst the stress of modern life to cook a healthy meal for yourself all the time. I am all about cooking, but even the meal kits, you know, they they weren't doing well because at the end of the day, people just don't have the time or the energy or the desire to cook all of their meals. 
So we're just trying to provide a solution that gets people from point A to point B in their health that much faster, that much easier. Because then once they do look and feel good, they'll want to continue. They'll be motivated for themselves. So after after the call, and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna talk a little bit about that, all those things you just talked about, which is like sort of the lifestyle of people wanting to cook and being able to cook, and and the sort of lazy factor I call it. Um, before we go, we have, we're up against commercial break in about a minute and a half here. Um, I would love you to tell me sort of the business opportunity. What are people looking at? What's the opportunity to invest? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Republic, you can see our entire pitch deck, but to boil it down to a few sentences, there's a huge market opportunity here. There's, uh, we're at the intersection of the $65.6 billion prepared meals market and the very rapidly growing wellness industry. We have uh, very impressive revenue numbers, over $1.4 million in 2018 and on track to over $3 million this year. We are profitable and we're growing more than ever. Um, I think with you know the coronavirus, people are really emphasizing their health physical and mental and eating healthy is one of the most important things that you can do right now at the same time our market just expanded dramatically health wellness and delivery are everything right now and we are an essential business we are lowering our prices to make it as accessible as to as many people as possible with the code stay healthy and we have a huge advantage over other businesses because we're already set up to do this you know this is what we do and I'm all about my people, my customers, and my staff, and I'm just working really hard right now to keep my team employed, keep eat people eating healthy food, and then you know, move into the opportunity that we do have right now to continue to grow and to help people maintain that physical and mental health with good food. There are challenges all across the the world right now with Corona, but also just business wise. I mean, it's like one thing is like this is an opportunity for you. There really is an opportunity for people to to try this now. And then the the challenge for you is that you have to fulfill it and all these things. And and I hope the best for you on that. And and I hope people uh, take a look at the campaign and and best of luck to you on this. But I, I I like this. I think this is a business that has proven to work for various companies. I, I think we all know what the failure mar- marks typically are, and we'll go into that after the after the break. But I appreciate you, Carol, taking the time to call in. And uh, where do people go to sign up for it? So they can find us at ProvenanceMeals.com, P-R-O-V-E-N-A-N-C-E, Meals.com. And they can invest in us at Republic.co slash Provenance. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. All right, folks, we will take a quick commercial break. I will come back and break down the business opportunity that sits here a little bit and talk a little bit more about, about how these things work. So back after this. That is a fact. That's a lot of read, but that is a fact. I went through the store the other day and there is like no Easter candy, no Easter aisle. Easter is like my thing. We've been, my whole life, my mom like gives me the Easter bunny. We've got the, the chocolate bunnies from Fannie Mae. I, I don't know if that's going to happen again this year. It sure should, but I, don't, I haven't seen a Fannie Mae open. Have you seen a Fannie Mae? I haven't, I haven't seen anything open. Social distancing should not include eating chocolate and eating lots of candy. That said, I would love to talk about the healthy eating meals that we just talked about. Uh, lifestyle, yeah, we got to have breaks. Someone eat some chocolate. That's why I look the way I look as I don't really follow what I'm saying. But the bottom line is the, the, the business that we just heard pitch, Providence, I actually think that there's an interesting hook here because... And, and like locally, we've got a company called Factor Seventy Five, similar ish. Um, a little. I, I didn't actually see uh, or get to the chance to ask her about whether or not the food was set up in a like. Is it just straight to the microwave, straight to the baking? That's my only question on that one because Factor Seventy Five, I think, is pretty much straight to the oven. But what I'm trying to get at here is 
most of the things that come, whether that's Home Chef or that's any of these other sort of kits, I think the one challenge, and you're even seeing with Home Chef, I mentioned this before, we have a promo code, Technory100, save $100 on having it delivered to your house. Home Chef is, was predominantly kits. You have to put it together. They're starting to have the oven ready, ready to go, like you don't have to do any of the prep. I, I don't know about you, Ashley. I can't cook. I don't even want to prep. Like, I don't want to do any of it. I'm so bad at all of that. I don't want to do any of it. And I'll tell you, like, grocery shopping, my wife knows this because I go grocery shopping and she sends me a list of things to pick up. I cheat the entire time. I look for, like, frozen, drop in the oven, drop in the, you know, whatever I can do. Um, I don't want to, I don't, like, want to put anything together. And <clears throat> I think that actually plays a big role in these meal deliveries that we're seeing now. I think that the corona thing... I think the Corona thing is actually going to be interesting to see if, if it changes people's behaviors. I've noticed a lot of my friends actually cooking, taking Instagram of them cooking, getting better at it. Um, that might make people want to prep stuff more. I don't know. Tavala comes, we have a Tavala oven, and then they bring us, they, they ship us the boxed meals. You literally just rip the package off. You might have to do a little mixing if there's something weird, but otherwise you just throw it in the oven, click on the button, and it goes to the preset amount of time that's synced to your, like, to the meal. There's nothing. You just take it out and eat it. Uh, I like that. There's no work to be done. This one, I think, is not quite the same. It's it's probably assembled, and you put it in the oven, bake, and pull out and eat it. I just think people are too lazy to want to like cook. I am. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> am. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that you're seeing... like This is a, a going in the Wayback Machine, not really, but um, I we, we go to what? 2.30? 2.40? What are we at? 230 230. or 226 okay we'll call it good deal um and so what i'm looking at here is like i talked to a couple of investors maybe a year and a half ago when we brought the tavala oven into our office and he was like oh i was out in silicon valley this didn't work no one likes it it died really quickly it's super expensive so difficult and to nick akonis's previous points about food being a very tight margin that's true but what is interesting about the whole thing to be totally honest is that we have gotten to a point as a society where one, Amazon has made it easier to ship. So you can, shipping is different for everybody. Expectations are different, which works better for food. But the bigger thing is that people are used to not having to cook all the time. They're used to not prepping anything. And they don't want to prep anything. And so all of these businesses, which in like, I would say 2012, 2013, Blue Apron, all these that started back then, that failed or flopped, most of it is because at the time, people still cooked a little. Now they cook none. And I think these businesses will exist in perpetuity even better after Corona because people get used to like, oh my God, I don't have to cook anything. And the more niche they are, whether that's healthy or it's Middle Eastern food or whatever, if you can promise me a high quality food that I don't have to cook, I'm in all, all day long. So I like this business. I think it's interesting. I would change the name, but otherwise I like the business. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap things up before uh, JB comes on. So here's the thing. Uh, as we wrap the show up, one of the things that I found to be very, very interesting for me is... I like to listen to music, to calm my nerves, to have cocktails, to do a lot of things. And Technori team um, tends to listen to different kinds of music and have a little fun. And for all this time, we've never really shared it with anyone. It was just like, oh, uh, it was just sort of our thing. And the shows, the, the podcasts that we produce are, I think, kind of fun and different. If you're not listening to Technori podcasts, you should be. It's it's much more like like the Nick Akonis segment, where I just sit there and talk to a founder or CEO and and nerd out over things. We are now announcing that we're going to launch the Technory playlist on Spotify. It went up yesterday. Every Friday, we will update it. 
and you can can jam out to it. It's all over the place. There's, it's just like this show. It's all over the place. EDM, rap, country, folk, pop, uh, the Stones, Aerosmith, anything and everything um, is stuff that we're listening to while we're working during the week and stuff that we kind of listen to get through the week. Parts of it can be dark. Sometimes weeks are a little dark. Sometimes they're not so dark. Sometimes things are good. So at any rate, I think you should check it out. You should go to Spotify. You should follow Technori Podcast or Technori, and then you should follow Technori Playlist. Ashley, you listen to any playlists? Do you do you do you do this? Do I dabble? Do you um, dabble? I yeah. You know what I always do is I like the um, the Discover Weekly. Oh yeah. I always find oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's interesting though, what I listen to is I listen to a lot of oldies, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, what is oldies to you though? Because I feel like you're. I don't, I don't know. What are you, like 20? <laughs> yeah, know. I'm 22. And oldies to me, I would say like anything between, I mean, anything after now would be oldies. But I guess for me specifically, I would c- categorize it as the 1950s through like Okay, the so that's real oldies. Right. Yeah, I so listen, your parents were respectful of music. Exactly. So I listen to mainly those, that, that era, those eras of music between the 50s and the 80s so whenever i get a discover weekly it's not new songs that yeah. are you know the hip hopping and thing it's usually songs from like the 1970s that i haven't heard yet so my uh discover weekly is actually very interesting to me because it's a lot of things that already exist or have existed for a long period of time that i haven't discovered yet so that's usually i just kind of hang out there but that is what i find so fascinating about your demographic and this is like a lot of the founders and stuff that we that we get to, who follow the show or that that start the companies and come on the show. Their age is like twenty to like forty two, but like average is somewhere in like the early thirties. And there's a mix between I only listen to like the newest hottest stuff. Actually, not that much of that. It's really people who are like just coming on to old what you call oldies. Um, what are actually oldies um, and people getting into like sort of like old jazz right. um, you know those who are coming out of Nirvana I think is kind of popular amongst the tweens right now is like oh man what was what was the 90s right <laughs> and um, I think that's what kind of inspired me to do this and like I'm going to create a playlist is like we listen to like all kinds of stuff and I, I can't tell you how many times people on my team will be like what are you listening to they have no idea they've never I'm like this is the biggest thing in my life this is like you know Biggie Scott Tupac. I'm going to interrupt oh, right yeah, now Governor Prisker now stepping up to the podium 